Welcome to All Things in the Name of Love. If you like this show, please like, subscribe, and share. Thanks. Welcome to another episode of All Things in the Name of Love. And today you're going to see just the logo because uh, both Lara and I have uh, sketchy internet today. So what the good news is, is I have with me Lara Mesa, who is an Egyptian teacher of mysteries, a ritualist, and a storyteller. And I am just tickled that she felt the call to join me on the podcast because her journey just lit me up. And I part of it is because I was on Atlantis and I have connections to Egyptian history. I don't understand any of it. And I wanted to talk to you first, like, how did you open to your calling and when did that happen? Yeah. Thank you so much for having me, Sophia. It's a, it's an honor to be here. Um, I guess ah, it's a big question. You know, I feel <laughs> like there, there, it's like there, there wasn't necessarily a defining moment. There were many, mm-hmm. and it was also one of those stories, which I feel like for many of us, you know, it was like a series of perfectly, divinely orchestrated events that all led into one another. Um, But I guess a good place to start is that I was actually born in Egypt. So um, I'm half English, half Egyptian. Mm. Uh, My mother is Egyptian. Father is English. Um, So I spent, you know, a good 10 years of my upbringing in Cairo. Oh, wow. So I think, yeah. So, and I think it's interesting, too, because I, I noted that even as a little girl, I was actually very fascinated by the pyramids and by, you know, the ancient civilization of Egypt and the history in a way where actually a lot of um, young Egyptians are are kind of not. They're just sort of like, yeah, they're there. We're just used to them. It's just it's in our backyard. It's kind of that thing where you just take it for granted. Um, this is shifting, however, which I am so, so grateful and happy to see. But yeah, it, it was one of those things where it was kind of like, I was like the one that was like going to the pyramids just on my free time, but like no one would really do that. I love that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, um, and so, yeah. And then fast forward, you know, I would say a couple decades um, and uh, I found myself living in Bali And um, in Bali, you know, one of the things that I'm so eternally grateful for is that this land is just a true embodiment of the meaning of life as ceremony. And Mm. uh, the Balinese are so intentional. And this is one of the things that I really fell in love with when I when I first came here. And um, it was really just their attention to honoring and acknowledging the seen and the unseen it's called Sekala Niskala here and it's it's just so beautiful all of their traditions so I kind of went down this path of really trying to understand what what ceremony as life looked like for me and you know I've always been very spiritually inclined um always loved journeying down the rabbit holes always loved just nerding out on (laughs) you know, astrology or ancient Egypt or, you know, ritual and all of these beautiful topics. And um, yeah, I guess there was a moment where 
you know, actually, I should probably mention my background, my, my technical background is actually that I'm a filmmaker. So this is the storytelling piece. And, and the part of, of my dharma, which I which I love. Um, but yeah, I went to film school. I was, um, you know, very happy, really, in my in my career as a, a photographer, filmmaker, documentary maker. And um, I was in Bali, and actually, I had arrived, and then a couple days after landing here, the pandemic was declared. Oh wow! So. It was actually a, not my choice to stay in Bali. I was only intending to be here for, you know, at most two months. But the universe had other plans. <laughs> and a couple of days after I landed, everything shut down. My flights back to the UK, where I was living and working as a filmmaker at the time, were all cancelled. And eventually, I just had to really... Um, I just had to roll with it. And to be honest with you, I was just when I found out that my flights had been canceled, I was very happy actually. So I kind of just rolled with it. <laughs> and um, yeah. And then the pandemic kind of happened. And then obviously I think, you know, many of us can relate to the feeling of, I guess, kind of having a, a, a life review during that time. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like, you know, because we were in lockdown, there was no work. I wasn't able to do photo shoots. I wasn't able to go make films. Um, things were just very limited and I had a lot of time on my own and I needed to, yeah, I needed to really just sit with a few things because I think I was so focused on just, climbing this ladder of what I thought success looked like that I didn't really I wasn't really stopping to think whether this was actually in alignment for me and in mm -hmm. a lot of ways it, it was but in a lot of ways it really wasn't and so I remember I was living in this little kind of cottage in Pereranan which is an area here in Changu I was by the river, this beautiful garden. I had this beautiful tree right outside my um, my room. And I remember just going out and just sitting with this tree like mm -hmm. every day for just days and days and days. I just, I, I was actually kind of going through a bit of a depression. I really was feeling lost. I just felt like without my work, who was I, you know, mm -hmm. like, I was like, where is my purpose gone? I, I, I had associated and identified so strongly with, this identity of like being a Capricorn and being a go-getter and being like relatively successful in my field and doing big things. And, you know, it all kind of came crashing down and, and I had to just really literally sit with it. And like all I could kind of muster up the strength to do for that period was literally just to go leave my bed and just sit by this tree. And I would just be in deep meditation or not. I would literally just sit there, not even meditate. I would just, I would just be, which was actually quite a new experience for me mm. on, on some level. Um, and so during this time, it was interesting because I had also uh, taken a vow of celibacy. And this was, this was related to another area of my life where, you know, um, relationships were always a bit of a struggle for me relationships always were kind of loaded there was a lot of like soul contracts lots of karmic relationships lots of wounding lots of heavy lessons 
and I had just come out of another, you know, relationship that was, again, just a very heavy lesson. Um, and so at that point, I had taken a vow of celibacy. And I was like, I don't want to engage or relate in that way until I am truly choosing myself and I'm truly loving myself. And it was so fascinating because almost to the day that I made that decision to take that vow of celibacy, I actually started to have some some of the most intense and profound uh, lucid dreams that I've ever had in my life. And um, I've always had very strong dreams. I've always, you know, that's that's a, a place where I would say like a lot of my work gets done. A lot of the kind of energetic spiritual work happens in the dream space for me. I receive a lot of messages, a lot of downloads there. But I didn't really know that at the time, you know, um, this was still I was still trying to understand what was going on. But one thing that continued to come up in these dreams was Egypt and the message. I was continuously getting this message of you need to go to Egypt and do pilgrimage in your land. Mm. And this really freaked me out because at the time, you know, we were all on lockdown. Uh that I, I was really happy to to live in Bali. I didn't want to leave. Um, I had made amazing friends. I was really afraid to leave Bali and then not be let in because I wasn't vaccinated and they weren't letting anybody in that wasn't vaccinated. They were being very, very strict on that. You know, I had a cat. Like, I was like, what am I going to do? Like, all <laughs> these things. So, um, yeah, I I was in a lot of turmoil about it and I had a lot of resistance but these dreams were happening that were very much like um trainings okay. where I, I don't know if you've experienced this but it it was like a full-on like you know I would be in this dream I would become aware that I was lucid and I it was like I was being put in these scenarios and my guides who I couldn't actually see or hear it was just all kind of telepathic communication but like I understood or I received instructions to for example uh like I was I would be in a room and they would be like feel the energy of everyone in this space and mm -hmm. tell us who is the person that is about to um be violent or or things like that it was oh, like wow. a lot of like yeah, it was like a lot of like building intuition, like practicing intuition, practicing like how to read the energy of a place. I would be like transported to all these different um, places around the world that I just didn't even know that it would be like a, an old cabin in like Japan with like overgrown, you know, like uh, trees and like almost like forestry around it. And it's this abandoned cabin in the woods. And they would be like, oh, what happened here? And I'd have to tune into the energy. And then I would like have a vision of like a woman committing suicide there. And it was like, it was like really wow. intense. Wow. And, yeah, it was, it, it was quite, yeah, it was, it was pretty wild. Um, So all of this was happening and like Egypt, Egypt, Egypt's coming up. And then at the same time as all of this, I, um, I was feeling really called to the drum, to the, the shamanic drum in particular. I had a girlfriend who had a drum and I was just always so drawn to it. And she was like, oh, you know, you should go and uh, and, and make one. You know, there's a place in, in Ubud you can go and, and there's a workshop and, and all of this. And so it was like amazing. I booked the workshop. I, I show up and 
turns out everyone canceled so it was literally just me oh, and wow. this yeah it, it, it was me and this absolutely incredible couple um a, a, a javanese man and, and his italian wife and they really were quite pivotal in my journey because not only did i make the drum and, and this guy is like a, a really really powerful channel but I basically just received all of this beautiful confirmation about going to Egypt and you will be able to come back. And it was just one of those moments that I really needed from the universe that really was just showing me, okay, like it's safe to make this decision. Mm. And there's a lot of other threads uh, to this story, but I'll I'll leave it at that. But essentially what happened was I went back to Egypt and I did a pilgrimage. I did my own private pilgrimage, just me. And I went to pretty much every single temple, every sacred site, every oh. pyramid, like multiple times. I spent four months. And my dad actually joined me for um, for a couple um, of weeks. And um, a, a, one of my really close friends joined me as well towards the end. And I was, I really had no, uh, yeah, there was no purpose behind it in a way it was really just following a calling and and just being open to what what was there and to what I was ready to receive um it, there was no like intention behind it of like yeah just other than to just just really just follow mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and um yeah I had some incredibly expansive experiences in these temples and I felt a deep connection to my ancestry and to my lineage in a way that I had never really felt in my whole life and yeah even though I was feeling connected before but this really just took it to a new level Mm -hmm. and then um I remember the last it was actually funny the last day of the pilgrimage was actually my birthday and um my friend and I (laughs) we were in the desert uh in cairo and we were basically i was taking her to this temple that i knew that was closed to the public so i was like okay we can go to this little temple um it's kind of on the outskirts we can just go and do a ceremony there and so we get there and the the guard who normally lets me in um wasn't there so it was this new guard and I was like trying to convince him to let us go to this 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 temple that was closed and eventually with some persuasion and a little tip and all of that <laughs> he let us through and so he walks with us and we were literally walking through the desert this is like on the outskirts of of Cairo and then we pass this temple and but he just walks straight past it and I'm like oh I you know I thought this this is the temple that we're going to and he's like no no I'm going to take you somewhere else So he brings us to this place, which I had, not many people have actually heard of it. I don't know if you've heard of um, Abu Ghurab. No. So I, it's so funny because I, up until this whole, my whole life, I had never heard of it. But literally the week prior to this happening, uh, my friend and I, we met this couple in, in Luxor who were telling us all about this ancient Stargate in the outskirts of the desert and it's really like it's hard to you know they had to pay like thousands of dollars to get a private visit or something and it's not open to the public but it's like truly like an alien landing ship in the desert and it was like wild wow and so 
And so we, we basically, that's where he took us. Wow. He took us to this place. And it's, it's actually what it looks like is it's about, I want to say maybe it's like around four meters by four meters. Okay. Um, and it's this perfectly cut, like almost like laser cut, um, platform and it's made out of alabaster and quartz and it's just sitting in the middle of the desert and it's basically um this beautiful circle in the very middle with the four directions and the cross quarters so it kind of looks like this compass star but it's also um the oldest ritual offering table that we know of in wow. the world. Wow. And and it's it's in the middle of the desert. It truly looks like an alien landing pad. It it's and it's just so beautiful and it's actually in my opinion it's some of the purest energy that I've ever felt in my entire life anywhere. Wow. Wow. Which is quite a contrast for Egypt because the energy in Egypt can be very intense. But this mm -hmm. was like literally we we sat there and we were able to put out some offerings and make a, you know, a little altar in the middle of it and meditate. And um, yeah, and, and it literally just felt like the angels were just there. And, you know, my friend just couldn't stop crying because just the energy was so beautiful and so pure. And um, we had this beautiful experience there. And I was just in so much gratitude. You know, I was like, wow, this is the best birthday present I could have ever received. And, you know, later that evening, we went to uh, the hair salon to just get our hair done for my birthday dinner. And I was sitting in the hair salon chair and almost just out of nowhere, I suddenly feel this like lightning bolt of energy just come over me. And in that moment, I feel this um, this command. It was literally like this booming kind of energy and this booming voice. And it basically just said very clearly, you will take people on the same journey that you took yourself on. You have to start right away in 2022. It's going to be called the alchemy of Egypt. And the people who are meant to go with you have already been chosen. Wow. Ooh, I got chills. Yeah. And I, and imagine me, you know, filmmaker, photographer, very happy <laughs> with my life. And I, I had never even held, you know, so much as a women's circle or like a full moon circle. I mean, I've done, I do these, these things on my own. I have right. a very deep spiritual practice alone, but I had never really shared that with anybody, you mm -hmm, know? Mm -hmm, and I was, so I was like, I, I received this message. I was like, are you sure this is for me? Like <laughs> what? <laughs> I was very confused. Yeah. And, but it, it was so powerful. And the fact that it just came in on that last day of the pilgrimage on my birthday and all the events leading up to it, it was like, it was just like so much bigger than me mm -hmm. that I just, it's like I just found myself writing copy for like a website and creating beautiful videos and graphics to tell the story of like what is the journey that I'm taking people on and, mm -hmm. you know, doing, you know, doing whatever it is that I needed to do to actually bring this concept of a pilgrimage that I would take people on into the 3D. And it was like, I, it was like it wasn't even me doing it, you know, it was like, something just took over and I was mm -hmm. just really following step by step. 
And I, you know, I, I was so nervous about it. I really felt had a lot of imposter syndrome. But sure enough, um, the first Alchemy of Egypt sold out in two and a half weeks. Wow. And and I was like, okay, because I was like, at one point, I was like, okay, like, I'll, I'll do the thing. But you know, probably no one will even show up. So part of me was like, all right, all right, spirit, like, well, here we go. But you know, nobody knows me as and you know, as someone that does this, I'm like, known as a photographer and filmmaker, like, why mm -hmm. would anyone, you know, just like, <laughs> it just didn't make sense. Right. But you know, it sold out in two and a half weeks with an incredible group of humans from all over the world. And it was a beautiful, intimate group of 11 of us that first time. Um, and yeah, it, it's it's been a journey ever since then of just like really leaning into the trust, I would say, is like the number one word that I would use to describe my experience of this journey of just mm -hmm. like trusting that like if, you know, it, it, it's the same for everybody. If you weren't ready for it, it wouldn't happen. You know, if you oh, weren't totally ready makes to sense. Yeah. it, it wouldn't come in and and yeah really just leaning into that trust and leaning into you know why this work matters today and so many of us now are I feel craving deeper travel experiences so many of us are desiring to be on pilgrimage even people that this wasn't really in their field up until maybe COVID or maybe a year or two ago it's like mm -hmm. suddenly the world has this hunger for these experiences. And so I feel like a lot of us around the world now are being, you know, awoken or being given these these new callings that feel like a, you know, a lifetime away from maybe what we what, what our background is in or what we've been doing. But then of course it's like all of that filmmaking and all of that storytelling and all of that like, you know, creativity was such useful and 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 unique training and tools for me to be able to you know create what I have created and and like really share the story of the alchemy of Egypt through visuals and film and writing um so yeah that's a very very long answer well it's a big thank question you, thank you for <laughs> thank you for listening no um, I was so curious because me. because it's such I always love hearing the journeys of yeah. the soul and yeah. how how like what you thought you were going to be is nothing i mean i still i i know for a fact that like this latest iteration of me is not the last iteration i have yeah but like i see like when i write something about myself i come up with themes as opposed to what i've done does mm. that make sense so like one of my Beautiful. biggest themes in life is separation. And why is there separation? Because it doesn't make any sense to me. So when I put that lens over describing me as I am, everything makes sense. But if I try to write a straight bio, it does not make sense at all. Yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. That's beautiful. That That is actually really like a more of a storytelling approach, actually. Okay. You know, kind of like you're like the main character of your movie. And these are the themes that are going to come up for this character. And th these are some of the things they're going to navigate. And, you know, yeah, I love that. I love that Thank approach. You. Thank you. Yeah, it, it feels better um, because trying to explain who I am is is 
kind of unnecessary. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah. so yeah, I, I love, I love your, I love combining that you have combined your gifts of storytelling for this profound remembrance that we're going through right now. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. How have you fallen into deeper understandings of the keys that Egypt has for us in our remembrance process? Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a great question. I feel it's it's so funny because um, <laughs> the way it started was very much this like three D approach because mm -hmm. I am a very I am a very earthly being like mm -hmm. I I I'm very grounded I feel I'm very practical I'm very pragmatic and um, so I think for me like my first step of like what I felt was was the right way was really just to study mm. and just to be a total nerd. And I mean, I am a nerd. I love nerding out. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> I love reading. Yeah, I love it. I, I get so much joy out of it. And mm -hmm. it just, you know, watching all the documentaries and reading books. I mean, there's so many phenomenal authors and historians and yeah, just people that are writing about Egypt that are, uh, you know, offering very compelling narratives and, and really going way, way beyond what the mainstream narratives tell us about Egypt. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of like the first way that I would say I really started to go deeper. I was like, okay, now that I'm doing this, like, I was like, okay. And I think there was like a little bit of social programming here too. I was like, okay, I gotta like know all the things and I have to like show up a certain way and I was just like trying to like be the best that I could and right you know like ordered all these books and but really <laughs> but genuinely truly enjoyed reading them and enjoyed like taking all my little mm -hmm. notes and like highlighting stuff and everything but then you know there 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 comes like a deeper layer I think where at a certain point it's almost like you have to abandon everything that you've learned mm -hmm. like you almost have to yes it's there and it's and it's beautiful and it's such a helpful tool but there was like a, there was a calling again like another layer of trust that was being asked of me where it was really more about i guess just leaning into my own experience of the sacred sites my own you know messages that would come through my own feelings that would come through there would be you know temples where I would have certain emotions and other temples where I would have incredible visions coming through when I would sit and you know just feel called to a certain hieroglyph on you know uh, on a very rat like seemingly random part of the temple it was just some like random corner or like you know and really just following my own inner guidance mm -hmm. of you know of what wants to be explored in a in a deeper way that is perhaps non-linear and it isn't mm -hmm. really um it's not really like anything that you can find in a book right um mm -hmm. and yeah I think also too just really the ceremony you know the ceremony is a huge huge part of it and I think that this is one way that we get to really um 
uh, I don't want to say activate because it's such a buzzword, but like kind of just like bring back to life the the intention of the temples, you know, mm -hmm. the reason why they were built and, and the fact that, you know, they were places of ceremony and ritual. You know, every temple has a holy of holies. Every temple has an altar. This was, you know, so much of what the temple was relegated to was these, you know, very, very ornate and elaborate rituals where like sometimes, you know, thousands of people would be commemorating a certain deity or, you know, making a procession across the Nile and like ending in this temple and giving offerings. And it would be like days and days <laughs> of offerings, you mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. And um, yeah. And I, and I think that piece has been so profound too, because it's like, when you truly lean into that trust, it's like you 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 are able to find connection to these energies and these deities where they can actually come through and co-create with you. And I definitely have had that experience in the temples, you know, particularly with Isis and Sekhmet mm -hmm. um, and, and being in ceremony there where it, you know, again, it's just like something just takes over and it's really just this surrender and trust that, you know, all I have to do is show up and, you know, to the best of my ability, just make sure that my vessel is, you know, as clear as a channel as it can possibly be. Mm -hmm. And my body is as clear as it can possibly be. And I'm taking care of myself and I'm, you know, doing my practices consistently and then really just allowing spirit to take over, allowing, you know, Isis to take over, allowing Sekhmet to take over. And just, yeah, it's been a, an incredible gift and, and a, you know, beautiful series of just softenings and initiations and awakenings and, uh, yeah, remembrance. I was going to ask you about the remembrance. Are you feeling any any energies from other lifetimes coming in? It's an interesting one for me personally. I've had little, you know, moments of it, but I I, I can't say that I've had like a full on, you know, past life regression or anything mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. Um. I definitely have tapped into some previous lifetimes in Egypt where I was actually a priest, okay. um, which, yeah, was was quite interesting. But again, it it's just these little snippets and these mm -hmm. little, you know, um, visions that come through. But yeah, it, it's so interesting, though, because it's like, I remember this past year when I was in, it was actually in the Temple of Isis, and um, my friend and I, we were in, it's actually like there's a little chapel of Hathor in the Temple of Isis, and so we were there, and it was, sun was coming up, beautiful sunrise, and we're there in, you know, we're kind of wearing these like white, um, almost like robes, really, and we're just, we were just like kind of dancing <laughs> in oh, this cool. like little this this little chapel we were just moving and mm -hmm. you know and someone was taking photos of us and it was so beautiful because it literally just felt like 
there was no timelines, you know, it, it just, mm -hmm. it felt like there was just one timeline and it mm. wasn't even like I was in a past life, but it was more like I, I was, it's hard to explain, but it's almost like it was just like, this is just, this is my life now. And it's a, it's another life then. And it's someone else's life thousands of years ago. And it's another priestess's life, you know, 10,000 years ago and it's someone you know and it, it was mm -hmm. just this feeling of like all the timelines were merging mm. and the fact that we were in ceremony in the temple of Isis and and like showed up in this way of just deep reverence and with our offerings and with our like adorned in our gowns and you know we all you know really like make effort when we come into these these sacred sites as mm -hmm. a way of honoring and it was just like oh this is what the priestesses were doing, you know, thousands of years ago here. And this is, mm. you know, they were in the altar, they were laying out the altars, they were in ceremony, and they would come out and dance in the chapel for the sunrise. And, you know, it just, it, it was just this feeling of like, this has happened thousands and thousands of times before, across many lifetimes. And we're just, we're just adding another timeline, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm, and it was mm -hmm. just this merging of, 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 of it all and that was um yeah that was actually a really uh, a beautiful experience you know the only time i've experienced something like that is uh, i was living in portland and there was um a beautiful cedar uh who i called mm. grandmother cedar she she i meditated under her a lot she was she's a dear oh. friend of mine and oh there was a time where um, there was a cabin at this uh, community garden that I was uh, a manager of and they wanted the city of Portland wanted to take the cabin down and a mm -hmm. grove of cedars was around it and there were her children. Oh. Oh. I wrote to the city of Portland and I said, I will tie myself to those trees. You will not touch them. Yeah. Never heard any, never had that kind of impulse before. That night, she gifted me with a thank you of showing me all of the plants that had donated their lives for my essential oils. Wow. I woke up crying. Oh. I was so touched that... Oh. I had this communion with this being mm. who it wasn't transcending lifetimes, but it, it was transcending time and space. Yeah. Yeah. And it was so humbling mm. because yeah. I mean, it was, it was a level of gratitude that she gave me her being so selfless for her children. Mm -hmm. And then I was in tears from the gratitude that I was in tears of gratitude for the gratitude she gave me. And it was just this beautiful experience of having a deeper awareness of the, how we show up and how we use everything mm -hmm. can be made sacred. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Everything is sacred. Mm -hmm. I love that. Thank you. 
Yeah, it's so it's so powerful when that happens. It really is. It 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 is so humbling. You know, it really is. It just like brings you back to to God and to Source and to you know just this this deep feeling of interconnectedness with all beings and nature and just the wisdom and the intelligence of trees and yeah, it, it really is just like the magic, the magic. <laughs> And it's so interesting that, you know, when, when we, you know, I, I, I get studying um, and when I realized that there was no amount of writing that would help me understand what life really is, mm, yeah. that's what set me on my journey of self-discovery and yeah, you know, my my vow was a vow of peace. Even though I've unintentionally mm -hmm. had a vow of celibacy, I did have an intentional vow of peace. Yeah, and that act of the vow. Yes. Yes. There's something so sacred about it. Oh, I really couldn't agree more. And to make that conscious effort to vow to shift your life's perspective or your way mm. of beingness is so it's beyond is profound doesn't even really work for it mm. it's it's mm. just it's so soul level transformation yeah yeah that's what i'm feeling yeah i really feel that and i think it's almost like the vow it's like you know even from the ancient egyptian perspective the there's so much power in your words and in really the vibration of of what you say and and the energy behind it and it they actually believe that it was the sound and the correct pronunciation and intonation of you know the spells or the incantations or even the the words um the names of the deities the true names it was the sound that actually unlocked the power and so if you didn't quite say it right, or if you weren't, if the vibration was off, it just wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't unlock. Mm -hmm. And I feel like in the same way, you know, the vow is almost like a, it's a spell in a way. It's almost mm -hmm. like when you say those words and they're whatever words are, are right for you and your soul uniquely to you, it it's almost like that vibration, you know, with the intention behind it and that that reverence and that real deep devotion and it's such a it is really hard to explain it's just this like heart on on the altar kind of moment where you're like i give this to you and i i vow to whatever it may be and it's almost like that expression that spell it, it's it almost like unlocks something in your dna or it mm -hmm. like it, it's like it's that vibration it actually it to me it feels like it actually has like a very activating 
effect on mm -hmm. like on a cellular level really mm -hmm. your own mm -hmm. your own mission you know and then then you you kind of reach this new level of of um i guess commitment and honoring of the work that you were born here to do and everybody's is different you know we all have our different missions that we came in on and our different uh role to play in this <laughs> the mm -hmm. journey of awakening and our, our collective um evolution mm -hmm. And I, yeah, I really do feel that, that I think the, the vow or, or the oath, you know, or, um, this commitment, it's, it's, it's so powerful. And I love the, in the, in the ancient times in ancient Egypt, um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the 42 ideals of Ma'at. Mm -mm. Uh, I'll send these to you, um, Thank after you. this podcast, but it, they're, so the 42 ideals of Ma'at. So Ma'at uh, is the, the goddess of justice and, and like balance. And she is, you know, she is literally the embodiment of cosmic law mm. and cosmic truth and cosmic harmony. And essentially, you know, the, the entire ancient Egyptian civilization was really built around her. It was like all about, upholding the laws of ma'at the cosmic laws and and you know ma'at is like the daughter of ra you know she's mm -hmm. the daughter of the the, the all-seeing all-knowing like source sun god ra so she was like an extension of of god and mm -hmm. through um embodying and honoring and committing to her ideals that was a way of essentially keeping the will of ra you know maintained and so it was very normal in ancient times, like all the kids, like little kids, you know, even when they were going to their, you know, schools or whatever, it was like, they just knew that this was, this was just part of life. And mm -hmm. um, the 42 ideals, it's it's basically like a kind of code um, of, of this civilization of how to keep the harmony. And like some of the ideals are like, you know, um, I will stand in my truth or uh, I will care for the earth. I keep the waters pure. Um, I speak with good intent. I am open to all forms of love. Like these are, are the mm. ideals and it, it's, it's, they're so beautiful. And part of my practice actually is to recite them every morning. It's a beautiful, beautiful wow. uh, morning practice that you could do. Mm -hmm. And I like to use mala beads with it as well for each of the ideals. And uh, yeah, again, it's like this, this, it's like this repetition of this mantra of like saying these, these, these commitments, you know, mm -hmm. and, and yeah, it was, it was a really core part of the ancient Egyptian civilization because you know obviously we know the ancient Egyptians were so um aware of of death and the process of death and the afterlife and one of the really I guess most iconic uh I guess mythologies of of ancient Egypt and the death rituals was the weighing of the heart mm -hmm. and so what would actually happen is that it was believed that once the the body would die the soul would actually take this journey through the duat which is kind of the the underworld and it would have to pass through these 12 gates and it would be confronted with all of these monsters and 
demons and these like three headed snakes and, and, you know, all of these crazy kind of creatures and they would have to pass through and, and there were certain spells that they needed to say in order to pass the gates and they actually um, had to name each of the monsters. They had to say the monster's correct name. And only then they would be uh, admitted to the next gates, which is such a beautiful metaphor for, wow. like, owning your shadow and, mm -hmm. and acknowledging your shadow, right? And just saying it, you know? And so it was 12 gates for the 12 hours of the night. And then once they had passed the 12 gates, then they would be in the Hall of Ma'at, and then what would happen there is the, the the heart from the body would be there on the scales of justice and it would be weighed against the feather of Ma'at, which is like the feather of justice. And this was like her feather was like part of her crown. And only if the heart was lighter than the feather could the soul then be permitted into the afterlife and oh, wow. part of the yeah and part of the weighing of the heart was actually for the um the soul would have to actually recite the 42 ideals of ma'at and it would basically it was like it was so beautiful because it's kind of like the scene is like judgment day you know mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. what i love about it is it wasn't actually the the judges that were that were judging you it was actually you reciting the ideals and you vibrationally you will know your body knows if you say something but you aren't like you aren't actually it or if you say like i you know i will not cheat or but you you cheated you know what i mean like mm -hmm, there's gonna mm -hmm. be an incongruence in the vibration so it was like actually you were the one that was ultimately judging yourself because mm -hmm. only you in your heart know like was i truly showing up in this way you know did i really keep the waters pure did i really speak with good intent and and so yeah that was part of the the judgment day um reciting the 42 ideals and then yeah if they if their heart was lighter than the feather, if they were able to say all of these ideals with with lightness, without a heaviness of like, oh, actually, I didn't really do that, <laughs> you know, then then they would be um, permitted into the afterlife. Wow. And so, yeah, it's a it's it's beautiful. So I love beautiful. that story. Yeah, that is so beautiful. Like it, just having that awareness of, I don't know. I think I think that we have forgotten i mean we're remembering but like how to honor the earth like we used to yeah. um i i try to i'm at 100 percent, but i try to bless my water jug every time i fill it up yeah oh that's great i need to do that more <laughs> I just like it's I try to I'm looking at it right now. I'm like, I know I didn't bless this last one, but like but I you know, I, I just say I bless this water with divine love. May this divine love beautiful. awaken the divine love within me. Oh beautiful. And retroactively doing that, putting my hand on it right now. <laughs> um because like when we say you know, when we bless our food, when we bless the water, when we go out and ground in the in the grass or we yeah. 
look up and thank source for the rain or the sun mm. it it just help us i mean we're we're i mean you're in bali so you're surrounded by way more nature <laughs> um but when i go out and really just am present with the trees mm. and the animals and the sky and the earth and I don't know. It's 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 like it's this ancient remembering mm -hmm. of a way of being that my soul really yeah is calling me to embody more of. Yes, yes. It's even just in the most simple of moments, you know. It's just like the way the light catches on some water or like just the raindrops on like leaves after it's been raining all night and it's just that morning kind of misty you know cool fresh air to wake up to and it really yeah it's I think one of the great challenges of our society today is just really a lack of presence and you know this is due to so many reasons, you know, we have a lot of things going on in our lives. There's a lot of stress that can be coming up. There's, you know, the technology, there's, you know, phone addiction, there's this constant pressure to be doing things or to be hustling or to be getting things done. And, you know, the never ending to do list. And I really love what uh, Richard Rudd says, who's one of just the most incredible teachers who created the gene keys. Um, mm -hmm. But he always says, you know, a day without presence is a day without magic. Mm -hmm. And it's like, how can we, it's really like a lot of unconditioning. I mean, for me personally, it's like, it is, you know, it has been a challenge at times to just really, really, remind myself to just fully switch off and to take those nature breaks and to just sit outside and you know take the time it's like we're so consumed with needing to achieve or at least from my experience this is I guess you know one of my themes let's say mm -hmm. of my of my journey is like definitely presence and uh and just really releasing identity or this attachment to this identity that like my value is like coming from what I do as right. opposed to how I be. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love shifting into being this. Yes. Yes. I'm learning every day of how to no, do I, this more. <laughs> I am too, but like, I love it because like the beingness allows me to play and explore and yeah. stay in my innocence yes and yes. when we like i typically don't know what i'm doing day to day i write it down but i don't look at it until mm -hmm. the day um so mm -hmm. i'm always surprised at what's going to happen yeah yeah that's it it's a day of magic because mm -hmm. there's there's presence and there's, you know, there's room to just be surprised and to, you know, 
take a, a turn that maybe you weren't expecting and then something incredible unfolds as a result of that, you know? Mm-hmm. Completely agree. Mm. Oh my gosh, honey, this has been so expansive and wonderful and amazing. Oh, yes, I agree. I couldn't agree more. I'm going to ask one final question. Okay. And that is, how do people find you? Yeah, so I guess the easiest way would probably be through Instagram. Okay. Um, I can share with you as well, like the links and stuff so that you can just uh, put it in the notes. But Perfect. it's at, it's at House of Light, um, but it's actually spelled H-A-U-S. So it's at House of and then dot light. And then my website is www.houseoflight.com. And yeah, this would be the easiest way. I also have my upcoming pilgrimage. Um, is happening in September, mm. September 2024. So if any of your listeners are feeling the call to come back to Egypt and to, yeah, really just go on this journey, not as a tourist, but as a truth seeker and, you know, is, is feeling the call to visit these lands and connect with these lands in ceremony ritual and reverence um i am actually going to be opening the doors very soon um for this next group so all of the info can be found on my website and also on my uh on my instagram as well for anyone that is interested that is so beautiful thank you oh, thank you so so much for your time your presence Aww. and your beingness Oh, thank you so much. I really just feel, yeah, I really just feel this was just so meant to be. And I just, yeah, I love your energy and I love your, your heart, which is just, it just radiates through everything that you say and you. just the energy that you carry. And it's just been such a pleasure and an honor to have this conversation with you. So oh, thank you thank so you much so for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, love. <laughs> You're so welcome. Can you help me redefine truth and preservation of our soul shine? I can feel it, yours and mine. Close your eyes and witness it inside. In your bones, you will know. Trust and let go. And let it flow.